Hello, Hockey World. It is Thursday, June 27th, 2019. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Anthony Joni from Sunrise Philly Magazine. I'm Peter Tessier in ridiculously muggy Winnipeg. No balmy? <laughs> oh, it's balmy. Was the gonna need balm. <laughs> it's it's going to be 33 here. Oh, you guys need to know what that is in real temperature. <laughs> yeah, isn't that like 180 or something like that? Fahrenheit. Yeah, basically goes up to about eighty-five. I have to say, Peter, I loved the I loved the temperatures in Vancouver. They were beautiful. Yeah, they were. Well, you know, and people do care, believe it or not, about the temperature in Winnipeg because we get comments about it all the time. Yeah, from one guy, Frank. Frank is yeah, the balmy guy. Well, Frank, it is balmy. It's it's uncomfortably muggy <laughs> in Winnipeg, Frank. and it's awful in Philadelphia too. I must yeah, say, it's just. It's, it's hot. It's, it's terrible. Awful. Yeah, I'm. I'm can't wait to get to the shore for the weekend. I am going to camp out. Basically, I'm moving my computers, all of, all a lot of these screens with me to uh to the Margate office for the weekend, so the family can enjoy fun. I can watch them play around me while I sit, you know, and do nothing until Wednesday <laughs> because of July first on Monday. But um, you know, I'm okay with. I, I like. The fact that I like the fact that July first is on a Monday. First of all, it's good for business for all of us. July first being on a weekend is in, in the internet world is never the greatest thing. So July first being on a Monday is a great thing, and uh, and I'm just I'm I'm hunkered down. Like I'm I'm leaving tomorrow morning at like eight in the morning to go there, and I'm arriving you know fourteen hours before my family, so I can really just like have it all together. And uh, I can't wait. I. I it becomes very hermit, a very hermit-like existence. Kind of reminds me of like studying for finals in college. The whole thing. It just has that whole feeling to it. Except there's not. There, except there wasn't a question on Jonas Donskoy in your finals. Yeah, and weird random people from Edmonton aren't making fun of me. That, that that's the difference. You know, like <laughs> back in back when I was doing my own finals for college, weird random people in Edmonton weren't mocking me the entire time. But uh, now they are. So that that adds a nice little extra sentence to the whole thing. Um, but let's move on, right? Should we we have RFAs to talk about? And you know, um, and we now we know who Darren Drager's source is not because he's told us who it's not. Um, and that would be um Paul Martyr. Came out and said Paul Martyr, who would be Mitch Marner's dad, is not his source. And I never really thought but first of all, a journalist should never really use a player's father as a source, um, because that would be a little bit of it's a little bit of a what do they call it? Conflict of interest there with the player's father being involved. And the emotion of that 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 goes into that. So, uh, but the the Mitch and the Mitch Marner crazy stuff going on right now. It all it is just all ridiculous. Like, let's just all admit the fact that you know he's not going to get thirteen million dollars a year from somebody. That's not going to happen. An offer sheet's not going to happen because no one's going to no one would give Toronto four first round draft picks for Mitch Marner even if the contract wasn't crazy. I mean, it's just like he's not that good of a player. He's a great player, but he's not like a four first round draft pick player. And Herschel like Walker here, you know, we're not talking about like Chris Gratton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Or Chris Gratton, right? Yeah. Scott Stevens got five. Wasn't it? Somebody had five first round picks as compensation. I think it was. I think it was Stevens. That um, was when compensation yeah. was picked by the NHL like randomly. Remember that was like. Right. Oh yeah, remember you, you'd, you'd have an arbitration hearing about yeah. this when it happened. I remember when um, Peter Neve got signed by the Blues and the Canuck, Canucks. They they offered. Yanni, Yanni wouldn't report, and then the Canucks <laughs> wanted Shanahan, and they offered Jeff Brown, and so, it was just a clown show. Oh, it's so messed up. I remember the I remember the Flyers basically trying to avoid what they thought was a terrible ruling, and make they made a trade. They traded 
Renberg to Tampa. Yes. Yeah. Remember this? Yeah. Which was a big deal because it's part of the Legion of Doom line. It felt like, why are we doing that if we're going to get Chris Gratton? The, the, the Leafs the Leafs signed a guy named Mike Craig from, from the Stars. Uh, I think it was his 94 or 95. And the compensation ended up being more than Mike Craig. It was ended up being Peter Zezel and Grant Marshall. Grant Marshall played for the for the uh for the stars for a number of years. So yeah, I mean this is a better system, but I have to say, and everybody's being asked this. Uh, you know, like uh, on the on the after on the noon show uh, on Sportsnet, uh, Chris Johnson and John Shannon were both asked. I, I, I did a radio spot in Buffalo this morning. And I was asked the same thing. I don't think there are going to be any offer sheets. I don't think. I think this is all bluff and bullcrap, and this is leverage used by the agents, and that's oh, why yeah. it's bullcrap. It's being floated out there by uh, through <laughs> through the media. You know, and agents are doing their job, and so are the media. So that's fi all fine and good. But in the end. I think there's that's something so, to talk about. How there's yeah, nothing it's, it's to talk about. To talk about, and we'll talk about it now. But I think it's we'll a talk about how there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, it's a load. Of, it's a load of crap. That's what it poppycock. is. Poppycock. Yeah, poppycock. Very good. Balderdash. Balderdash. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Balderdash. Shenanigans. All right, moving on. So yeah, I mean, I think what I will say again, and I do believe that this is something that is not being mentioned enough. So I'm going to mention it. The fact that there are no offer sheets with this group of players, which is like. If there if, if there was ever going to be an offer sheet, mm -hmm. it would be in this group of players, um, because there are guys out there that people aren't even talking about. Like I I, I spent an hour today talking about Matthew Kachuk. All right, Matthew Kachuk, you know, is another guy, another RFA out there, you know, who's like, and he's just sitting in Calgary, and uh, no one's really talking about him in the whole thing, of, in in the whole scheme of things. I mean, well, I'm sure they are in Calgary, but they're not really in the rest of the hockey world. And yet, Matthew Kachuk is another player who could be who could be offer sheeted. The fact well, that no offer sheets are happening right now shows that the offer sheet system is is incredibly broken and well, the fact that that's how because if it either shouldn't exist at all the, or it's got to be fixed the, know, inter the interesting, interesting thing is is that you know i think it was john shannon that said that he doesn't think that the top tier of free agents restricted free agents is going to get uh, an offer sheet because the compensation is just way too much but somebody in the middle and he, the guy he used or the name that was mentioned was a guy like brandon tana peter is that you know yeah. the compensation would be? I think if the, if it was a four million dollars contract, it would be a second round pick or something like that. It wouldn't be that onerous. So the uh, the odds of that happening with the ever tightening caps around the league might be something that works. I mean, even if you have the compensation across the board, I thought about this today. Even if you made it half, so now the the Marner you. Marner, you know, you'd have to pay you. First of all, there's already a problem because you have to pay a ridiculous amount of money for the other team not to match to start with. So that even taking the compensation out of it, right? The in order to get Marner, in order for the Leafs not to match, you got to be probably at at 11 million or 12 million somewhere in there. And 11 million, they're going to get all kinds of pressure to match because that number has been thrown around and made like the reality of the world, but it's not. Um, but 12 or 13, yeah, maybe. So even if you do manage to do that, which which now you are taking away, you're also already when you do that by the way you're trading a player because if you go from like 11 to 13 million dollars that's two million dollars you can't spend on somebody so that's that that cap space is a player that you've lost all right so that's a player that's gone now even if you had just two first round draft picks to say not four but two and say they were over the next three years like i, I just found out the other day that these four picks are over five years you can actually right you can start with 2021 but e but even if it was just two even then would we would we would we be seeing these offer sheets happen? That's my question. Like, would we be seeing if we were at half the compensation? No, no. Would we see them, Peter. I don't, I don't know. 
I want, I want to get your thing on, on Tanev. Do you think, do you think that that, that is a, a course that might happen? But then first round picks are extremely valuable. You see, we, we were all at the draft, except you at. Yeah. Uh, we, we, were all, we were all at the draft, and we see how much thought and how much anguish that these teams are using over and how much a, a busted first-round pick, a guy who doesn't pan out, how much of an effect it has on an organization. These are important picks. Teams are not going to give up four of them, even for a kid who's 22 years old like Marner. But what about Tanev? You know, if you're willing to, well, I mean, Tanev, Tanev's a UFA. He's not even an RFA. Okay. So you can, so, but, I mean, to your point, um, the whole thing about if you're willing to give up four first round picks, you might as well fire your entire scouting staff too, because you don't have any faith in them either. Sure. Right. Like that, what's that saying about your development process? Yeah. And I think one of the conversations that we had, I think at dinner one night, or maybe it was the afternoon uh, after Saturday, was saying, "Why are we, you know, wh why aren't we calling these scouting staffs not scouting and, and operations, but why aren't we calling research and development? Because that's really what they're doing is they're researching players. They're trying to figure out who they can develop and go forward, and and changing the lexicon around this because the thinking right now is totally backwards comparatively to what it could be. But you, the risk factor is massive." But if you're willing to take that risk, it says something else about your organization. <laughs> no, it really does. I mean, the risk factor is insane. You, it means you don't have any need for your scouts, like you said, basically. And and the fact is that younger players are just getting better every year um, right now. That they come, More and more players are making impacts quicker. Um, the first round is way better than it's ever been. Every year, year upon year, it, it, it you know gets better. Um, and, and you're getting and you're getting a, a ninth say say. For example, with Buffalo, Dylan Cousins, who's drafted seventh overall, um, he's probably going back to junior for a year. But at ni age 19, he might be in the NHL. And if he is, that's three years at under a million dollars for a guy who at the end of that three years could score 20 goals. Cap and then – go ahead. The cap era. I mean, at this point now, first-round picks are incredibly valuable. You've seen that obviously yeah. with Philadelphia, with both Konechny, you know, hitting gold on Konechny and Provorov. Having them at a young age now, again, the bill has now come due on them, but they've gotten several years yeah. of productivity out of those players in a cap in, in a cap role where you have a Claude Giroux and a Jake Voracek making the amount of money that they're making at the top end of the roster. That's critical, uh, and that's one of the reasons why first round picks teams are loath to give up first round picks anymore unless yeah. they feel like they're that one player away from from pulling from from being in true contention for a cup. And that's it. You're right. And, and, you know, and we saw, I mean, the stress, the absolute ridiculousness of how much Ottawa screwed themselves last year by trading their first round pick um, and how that whole year was, was just completely wasted by the fact that they were sitting around stressing about, you know, where did they trade? Did they trade away Jack Hughes, you know, like when they, to, to Colorado, the fact that, you know, Colorado ended up getting the fourth pick overall was the best scenario for Ottawa. Right. And they um, and they still get and they they still gave up what could be a uh, a top pairing defenseman and that oh, was still an enormous it's an enormously great player and you know so yeah that that just that just is just ridiculous and I, you know I got in a discussion with this today with a with a GM who's like who likes to mock me because I write about offer sheets and we it was it's a funny thing you know, I'm like listen I say I write about them because they're being discussed out there by fans as to whether or not they make any sense I'm not. 
putting putting out rumors that this offer sheet or that offer sheet is happening, you know, and, and we haven't seen that from anybody. But yesterday, I guess we saw the closest thing. We saw a couple things from Pierre Lebron yesterday that came out that said some people were some RFAs had been in discussions with certain teams. But that was that's that's not an offer sheet. You know, that's like far from an offer sheet because an offer sheet has to be agreed upon by the player, or the other team. I mean, when the Shea Weber offer sheet happened, he came into Philly. He visited in Philly. You know, he was he walked around the building. He was at the practice facility. Um, you know, he decided he was convinced, you know, convinced by the Flyers that they really wanted him. He decided he really wanted to come here. It wasn't just him trying to pull up, make his number higher in Nashville. Weber really legitimately wanted to come to the Flyers. That was something that he decided he wanted to do. You know, and of course, the Preds had the ability to match it than he did. But that, you know, so it's more, there's more to these things. And, and like we've said many times, Marner has to agree to an offer sheet, which is, un, you know, not something that's going to happen. So well, it's not going to happen because, and, 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 you know, if he gets pushed into this direction, then that, then things would change. But the general perception, and I think this goes for most of these RFAs, and I'll, Anthony and Peter, you, you chime in after I, after I get my point through. Um, the perception is none of these players really want to leave the teams that they're with. Mitch Marner wants to be a Maple Leaf. He also wants to be paid. So he's using the offer sheet as leverage. His agent is using it as leverage. Um, but th And that's why what Dubas said a couple days ago at the draft was a sort of a shot across the bow. He's like, we'd love to bring Mitch back. We want to we get a deal done here. It's holding us back from doing other things. But if he signs an offer sheet, we may not be able to match it. We, you know, we'll, we'll, we may have to take the four first-round picks. I'm sorry. It was that's the first time that we have heard a GM that I can remember in recent history say that um because the gm's the gm's general general line is always we will match anything that's thrown out there which to me is very insulting to the player and the agent think about it you know, then like, just pay them what you're just pay yeah, them, then just right? pay them right like if you're the player and the agent, you I mean i got to go through this hassle of getting the flyers to agree to sign me an offer sheet for you to pay me what i'm worth you know like there's an there's an element of that that's kind of strange right when when it, the second team says we'll match anything i respect it dubas for saying we might not match it because we're negotiating with this guy. I mean, not if if you really wanted to mess with them, like you know, you do it. You you do a two year offer sheet, right? And yeah. then at the at the end, you're UFA. Is that right, or are you still no, for 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 all these guys? It's a four year deal. Four years yeah. walks them to UFA. Okay. So I mean, one of the things that people have been saying is that well, you could offer you could offer Marner or you could offer one of these guys a three year deal, ten million dollars. The compensation wouldn't be the four first round picks; it would be I think two ones and a two, uh, and it would also have the effect of putting uh, the, whatever team uh, that was off that the player was offer sheeted into a, into a bit of a quandary, but. You know they would probably match, but it would it would hurt them, and that's and that's the thing. If, if your goal here, if you're another team, and your goal here is to hurt teams in your own division or hurt a, a competition, I mean you can do that, but I think you're going to have some negative ramifications down the line. I don't think that I don't think there's collusion here. I just think that general managers in oh, this there's team, collusion here. No, there's no, I don't collusion. think there's collusion here because the reason is is because I think everyone recognizes that this that this free agent restricted free agent offer sheets uh, uh method is flawed and broken it's it's punitive if you yeah. sign up you know it's great if you want to you, you never get the player that you want and all you do is hurt the other team yeah so why the hell do it 
Yeah. And, uh, but the, the whole thing of the one thing I think that is overplayed and I was talking to Kevin Allen and we just disagree on this one is he thinks that these, that these GMs have a better relationship with each other and they, they wouldn't do it because like Paul Holmgren likes so-and's likes, you know, this guy or, or so, so-and-so, you know, not Homer's not a GM anymore, but you know what I'm saying? That there's this great relationship between the GMs. That really is not what's keeping offer sheets from happening in my opinion, from no, talking to them. That's not, they, they are willing to play the common game. common sense. Because people, people always go back to Brian Burke, you know, with, with the, was it the Penner offer sheet, right? Which was like, yeah. was it Penner or who was it? No, it was Penner. That was, was the Penner, head. right? Okay. Which yeah. is the last offer sheet that actually, I think, right. actually happened, right? Which is a very long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he goes back to that. And, you know, and people, Burke wasn't mad about the offer sheet. I mean, people always say, oh, Burke was so pissed off about the offer sheet. And he like, he wasn't mad about the offer sheet. He was mad about the fact that he wasn't told about the offer sheet before it came out in the press. Like, and I think, and could Burke's like, at least give me the common decency and say, we are signing your player an offer sheet so I can know how to react to it when, when, when it, cause when it hit as just a breaking story and then Burke has to like scramble and react to it. Challenge he didn't like that. Barn fight. Right. He didn't like that because that was like, and you know, you can't blame him. He's like, give us, give me a second to like get, get a spin for my fan base basically. So I can say this is the, you know, we understand this is part of the rules. And it wasn't like he was a, he thought. People don't have this great loyalty. Other GMs don't have this great loyalty to other GMs, in my opinion, anymore. Not as much as maybe they once did, especially because we have more and more young GMs, right? So there's more and more guys who don't have any, you know, anything to do with anybody. You know, there's no real connection to them. I mean, the whole American GM circuit is still there to a degree, but it's breaking apart. You know, I, I think that, yeah, I think this is kind of, it's, it's it's a kind of a pointless discussion, but I, you know, we'll continue to discuss it because... There are people out there. There's there's a specter. There's a specter of it. It, It's out there, you know, and it's a rule. And that's why I think that this will be a part of the next CBA negotiations. And I think we'll be a very big part of it because the agents are very pissed off about the fact that there's no offer sheets with this group of, with this group of RFAs. And we, and we may be talking about this in into August and September because the possibility of them just not signing and waiting and waiting and waiting is there. Uh, we're going to have holdouts. I told said that yesterday, and I, I believe that fullheartedly. We're going to have holdouts. We'll ha- I will have at least three to five significant holdouts, like well, Nylander esque type holdouts that we saw last year. Technically, it's not a holdout because he's a free agent. Yeah. It's an impasse. That's that's how yeah, they whatever Nylander was last year. I yeah. call it a holdout. Yeah. It was it was it was stupid, is what it was. But okay. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I think that you know that could be. I don't know who it's going to be, but it could be Marner. It could, and you know, that's a disaster for Toronto because they just went through it. It could be Provorov. Very easily could be Provorov, I think. Provorov has been kind of under the radar, I think, with all the yeah. Is that Provorov is really, I think, he's waiting. It's again, he's waiting for the market to set, but the market can take a while to set. Market. No one wants to set the market, like we said. No one wants to do that. So it's so it's everybody's you know wimping out on that and just sitting back and not doing anything. Yeah. Um. And you know, and no one is taking. No one is taking the Kevin Hayes signing as like a benchmark for anything. By the way, like that's the other thing. People are like, oh, the Kevin Hayes seven million. No, that's doesn't. GMs are kind of. It's funny the feeling around the league among GMs and and you know and agents about the Kevin Hayes signing is confusion. They they think they there's way too much money, and they also but they also say okay, well it's just a flyer specific thing is what I've heard. That's a flyer specific thing. Yeah. Right, and and they're, and they're saying William Carlson is a Vegas centric thing yeah. because he wanted to stay in Vegas and he took less on an eight year deal. So neither one of them are considered benchmarks, but eventually something has to be considered a benchmark. Yeah, and you know what? You know who benefits from this? This whole thing of these holdouts are going to be like the free agent tryouts, the in the camp invites and stuff like that, which we're going to see. 
we're going to see a lot of them because there's going to be a lot of openings, I think. And last year, last year we had um, a very successful one in um, Alex Chason and Alex Chason in Ottawa, a very, you know, that's probably the most successful camp in, 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 Edmonton, in Edmonton. Yeah. In Edmonton, right. In Edmonton. You're right. Sorry. Yes. So, yeah, I think that, so let's move on from the, from the offer sheet world of, of, you know, of La La Land to, um to, to Roberto Luongo. Let's discuss him for a second because Roberto Luongo after the show yesterday, you know, put out there that he was retiring. And uh, I know you have a, I know Peter, you'll want to talk about this a lot because, you know, oh, yeah. being a Canucks guy, um, you know, this is, you know, I want to, I have my own, Roberto Luongo, as far as a player goes, you know, is one thing. Then there's the, then there is the thing that is just the Roberto Luongo experience of him being a player slash internet personality slash, you know, and he's, it's been fascinating to watch his development because as a, when I would interview him, as a player before the internet, you know, he was kind of standoffish and, you know, I didn't know quite how to take him. You know, he was, he was, he was definitely, he was, didn't like the media at all. I felt. Um, and then, you know, but then he became like this, this, you know, this character on the internet. Strombone one. Yeah. An anonymous internet character, which I can relate to and enjoy. So he's like anonymous internet character for a while. And then, you know, he becomes a public figure, which I can also understand. And he, and he put makes that, you know, and I think that it's been a great experience to see the whole Luongo thing. I, I, I'm sure the Panthers, because they're smart, they're going to bring him in, and he's going to work for them at some point in some way, shape, or form. Um, because you know, got guys like Peter Lugo down there that are going to jump all over this. Like this is or this is, or or or, or the Canucks hire him just to make because they got the cap recapture they get they put him to work. I mean, they could, right? But I think that he's, but he's, he's, he's our made it. He's our southeastern U.S. scout now. <laughs> yeah, he's right. He's right. He's made it known that he's building a house and living in living in Parkland for the rest of his life. He's drilled down there, right? So that's he's he yeah, said that fine. very clearly. So uh, Peter, your teams in town. Peter, let's talk Luongo. Um, what if what is what are your what's your like you know, not epitaph, but you know your your, your thoughts on Luongo? I I think one of the things that people sort of don't understand about Luongo was that he finally needed someone and a fan base to believe in him. And he yeah. found that in Vancouver that's and true. that's when it happened, right? When he got traded to Vancouver, he became mainstream. He signed a huge contract extension and he was now in a big Canadian market. He wasn't buried in Florida anymore. He wasn't the cast off of mad Mike Milbury. He was now going to be, a savior in a place that was a goalie graveyard <laughs> yes. for years. Like, like uh, the Canucks and the Flyers might be the two biggest goalie graveyards of all time. And they each had like their brief moment, like Kirk. And, and they each had brief moments of brilliance. Kirk McLean right? was the brief Vancouver Rick, moment. Richard, right? yeah. Richard Brodeur and Kirk McLean. McLean, yeah. exactly right. Ron yeah. Hextall and Bernie mm. Perron. Yeah, Bernie Perron. Right. So. You know, he came in there and, you know, when AV came in, you, they changed the way the team looked. He was there with the rise of the Sedins. And if they, ne if they never had Roberto Longo in net, that team doesn't even get a sniff um, near a Stanley Cup final. Not because of Luongo made all the difference, but he was part of what made that team able to get there. Back-to-back -back President's Trophy winners. Yet, somehow... The weird thing about Luongo was as much as he did or as whoever he was, it was never quite enough. 
And yeah, in big that. games, it was never quite enough. And probably his crowning achievement in, in big games is that um, 2010 gold medal game yeah. that he almost lost. Yeah, he almost blew it. Yeah, he almost blew it. <laughs> he almost blew it and then came back and saved it in, in OT before Crosby won it. And before that, and, Peter, another one of the, which is a similar lines to that, was the, um, was I think the classic Luongo game. And this is like a little bit long has been in the NHL for 19 years. So like a lot of people out there have no, I would not at all remember his play in junior hockey. Like if people are watching this, you'd have to be at least 35 to really appreciate yeah. it. But, um, so the, uh, let me turn the phone. I'm sorry. 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 The, um, my moment, my, his junior game against Russia in the, in the world junior championships was like one of the best games a goalie ever played. And they yeah. lost, but they lost in overtime. It was just that, then that, yeah. that to me, like epitomized Luongo's like thing, you know? Yeah. Like he just was you know, always good, but just like, just slightly missed it. Exactly. You know, and, and the whole thing, like, you know, you remember that, that playoff run in 2007 when he, he didn't come out to start overtime because he was sitting on the toilet and, <laughs> right. you know, and, and wouldn't that be a preview of the moment where they gave up the OT goal? Cause he thought there was a penalty being called. Right. And right. the puck got shot past him and little, and again, in that game seven against, um, Montreal or against Boston yeah. in Vancouver, Luongo let the first goal in cause he thought Bergeron was going to get draw a penalty and he didn't because he still had possession of the puck yeah. and it yeah. went in, he was focused on the penalty. And it's those little things that will always kind of haunt him from, you know, will be the asterisks in this great career. Uh, but yet, the guy was all classed and in, in tons of situations. And maybe the only time you ever really saw something weird come out with him was the, the whole thing about talking about Tim Thomas in the final and Thomas saying, I didn't know I was supposed to pump someone's tires or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was you know, for that. that was probably the only time where you really saw away from the ice pressure get to him. Yeah. And, you know, other than that, he was a class individual. Yeah. He beloved in Vancouver, and he actually took out an ad in the province today, thanking the Vancouver fans in his time there. That you know, there was it's it, you know the what the time I really got to learn Luongo the best was during the 2010 Olympics, like and and being out there covering that for like a specific like 22 day period of time, and being around the team and being around Luongo, and but more than that, being around the Vancouver hockey fans who just adored him like because like, i'm sitting there and i'm writing articles i feel like i should be slayed i'm like you know maybe marty brodor should be the goalie i'm like i was saying this stuff i'm like because here i am the kid who grew up you know watching the devils take on the flyers and i'm like marty brodor is a pretty damn good goalie here um you got but he's the backup and then the one game they put brodor in if you remember he like struggled with a couple bad giveaways because but only because the canadian defense didn't know what you do when marty brodor has the puck behind the net which is you yeah. know you go to the you don't you don't go to the puck like the way the devils knew if Verdor had the puck behind the net, you wait along the sideboards and Verdor pass you the puck where, you know, normally a goalie stops the puck. You go back and get it as a defenseman. There were two times that defend defensemen on the Canadian team just went back and did that. And they got crossed up and they ended up giving up a couple goals and Verdor's yeah. Olympics were over, but I was getting hell. I mean, I was getting hell beaten by the fact that I was saying, I think Verdor should maybe be considered the guy for this team because the Vancouver fans were so in love with Luongo. It was like, it was just, and it was, it was, it was very much like I was watching team Canada with the Vancouver Canucks goalie in that, in that tournament, because the fans were like, they were Vancouver fans, obviously. So well, I, I, I can't say, any, say anything more about Luongo that you guys have 
already said. So I have to, I need to sort of go to the ramifications of his retirement because a lot of people in Vancouver, I think are, are reasonably and understandably upset because of the Capra capture situation. And, you know, this is something that is going to have to be dealt with with other teams too, with like Duncan Keith, yeah. if he retires early or Shea Weber with that contract. I think, I think somebody mentioned that if Weber retires one year short of the length of his contract, the, the national predators get a $24 million cap hit. And, you know, that's obviously that would be extremely debilitating. Oh, the Paul Holmgren poison pill. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and, yeah, 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 there you go. Right, and the thing is, is that with Luongo, I mean, it's not like an onerous cap recapture, but $3 million for three years is a good player. And that's, yeah. I mean, when we were talking yesterday about Tyler Myers in Vancouver and Jake Gardner in Vancouver and what they're going to do, now they're $3 million less on their budget. That's a that's a healthy chunk, and I mean, I think that's going to hurt them. Oh, it's yeah, it's actually 2.2. Because um, Florida retains some too. Uh, well, but, it, okay, go ahead. No, it's too, it wasn't three. I saw something else about some math on this. Cap, cap, cap friendly had over three. It's like oh, really then whatever, then uh, whatever. It's what it, yeah. it. Well, I tweeted out yesterday as as a few other people did. Longo's greatest save maybe that cap hit prevents the Canucks from signing Tyler Myers. <laughs> a fair point. It's a wow. fair point. <laughs> <laughs> he wow. he did it for them. He loves the fans so much. Wow. I mean, he just he has such like a you know as exciting as cap recapture talk is. He is he he had such a um. And you're right, Mike. It's it's worth bringing up for sure. But I want to give Luongo a little more time. Okay. Like, um, um, also, before, before we get into the ramifications of how he's going to screw the Canucks, Luongo um, is. <laughs> I always go back to that 0304 season with Florida. How he had a nine point three one. Yeah. percentage and three yeah. goals against average and he had a record of 25 33 and 14 yeah that, that was, was insane and, and, and the other thing about he that he was just he was so good there and it was and, and watching him play you were just you were amazed that that florida team like that florida team would have been so terrible I mean, just how bad would they have been without the River Luongo? I mean, they were bad as it was, but games. I mean, that was just ridiculous. Eight below, you know, eight games below five hundred, and that, and and a ninety-three. Think about that. Ninety-three over seventy-two games. He had a ninety-three save percentage. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? I mean, that it, it was just it was crazy, and he he was always like the quiet soldier about it. Um, I think one of the more interesting things about his career is not always mentioned is that he started off in. On the island, yeah. I'll, I'll go. I'll, no. I'll, I'll go even further back than that. He was drafted. He was drafted with a first round pick, traded by Toronto. It was way to go, leaves. It was traded in. It was traded in the Wendell Clark the deal to get Wendell Clark back from the Islanders. The, the Matthew Schneider Clark deal. They traded a first round pick, and it turned out to be the Longo. <laughs> I love trade trees. Uh, trade yeah. is amazing, and and but you know the big the big thing about Luanga being traded was like this was like one of the death knells to um to Mike Milbury, right? right? Like this is like this is like when Mike Milbury, who we all see now as like the Multiple commentator, knells, yeah. <laughs> the commentator, you know, like that we all see now on TV. He was the general manager who traded Luongo from the Islanders. Yeah, so he could draft Rick DiPietro, like a, and then gave DiPietro a contract that was insane, right? And and then, of course, DiPietro got injured, and that was just a disaster all around. But he did trade Luongo. He also traded Chara. 
from the yeah. Alex. So there's a couple of moments, a couple of Milbury's finer moments. Oh, but... he treated, I mean, look, Mad Mike Milbury, he's a Yeah, there's <laughs> plenty of Milbury things. Mr. Carol Alt, right? And all these things, and the funny thing, the funniest thing about Milbury to me right now, just this is total aside, is we all like Anthony, you, you and I know Keith Jones. <laughs> we know what he's really like. You know what he's like besides when he's not on television. You know oh, what, yeah. he's, what he is like. He is hilarious and a great guy. I just ran into him at the finals and we were talking forever. And he just, he's a funny, we're walking up the stairs because in, in Boston, you have to walk up all these flights of stairs to get to the, get to the uh, press box. And I'm, I'm following him behind. He keeps saying, yep, Flyers are going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. He's like, uh, you know, all those coaches, all those coaches. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> It's like Jones, he just kills you. You know, he just cracks you up. So watching Jones next to Milbury is incredibly entertaining if you know what Keith Jones is really like, because you're sitting there and Jones is so refrained. And and there was a moment when Luongo was mentioned once, and I was watching them together, and you know Jones so much wanted to throw in about how Milbury had traded Luongo. How did he get from the Islanders to Florida? Oh, oh my yeah. God! Yeah, he was so he and he because he's such a he's such a jerk in a great way. Jonesy and you know and he didn't do it he like to his credit he I don't know how he, and I talked so I saw him about a week after that in the media meal room and I'm like how much did you <laughs> I said, how much did you want to say something to Milbury about Luongo and he's like oh you have no idea and it was just cracking me up it was it was he's you know that's like you know, yeah it's, it's, that's the way that's the way he was a player boy he was the dry I swear that locker room it was it was he's you knew something was coming in terms of like keep have that look on his face. Oh yeah, sort of slightly upturned grin, like here it comes, and it's it was just a dry classic dry Keith Jones sense of humor that you would just be. Oh, it's like up. the thing about Jonesy is like this this incredible mixture of I'm not good enough to be here, but 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 I am, <laughs> and everything he does, like he wasn't good enough to play in the NHL, but he was. He wasn't good enough to be a broadcaster, but he is like he he comes off like he's not good. And he's still to the we have the running joke between him and I, because we both kind of started at the same sort of time in the in this thing. And whenever we see each other at the finals, he'll say to me, like, yeah, they're still letting us do this. That's like the joke. And I'm like, yeah, they're still letting us do this. It's pretty kind of crazy. Like, Jim, he's just he is that yeah. <laughs> he's got some great stories. Uh, we got to have him on the air sometime. We do. He's just he's amazing. Um, all right, let's get to some rumors while we're here because we do have to talk rumors. Well, let's, um, let, me, let me just mention one thing quick about yeah. the, the, the deal that was made yesterday. It's another example. And all we've seen over the last few days are these deals that are all – it's all cap related. The, 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 the Dahan deal to Chicago was Carolina dumping cap. Because uh, they have, you know, they have a, they have depth on defense. That uh, Jake guys like Jake Bean and Hayden Fleury, they think probably can fill a role. And Dahan was going to probably be out until November because he had shoulder surgery. Um, now and now we have an era, the deal between uh, Carolina and Vegas where they trade Eric Halla for Nicolas Waugh. And I saw Waugh play uh, for the, in the Calder Cup uh, Conference Final against the Marlies. And he's an NHL player. He's a big kid. Yeah. He's I think he's almost ready, just like Sorella, who they traded in the deal with uh, Dahan. You know, Carolina is trading like kids from their their Calder Cup championship team who I think are ready for the NHL. And I, I don't particularly understand it because if yeah, what is the end game here? Can someone yeah, tell for, me what the end game is on this? I, I don't know. For 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 a team that's supposedly supposedly fiscally responsible and they want and they have a number of young players who will be on entry level contracts that would be cheap to trade them off 
Uh, especially in that deal with Chicago. I mean, they may that may have been, you know, trading Sorella may have been payment for taking DeHaan because they got nothing back in the deal. So I don't know what Don Waddell and Eric Halla has been like everywhere. Like he, I mean, I like Eric Halla. I think he's a fun, he's an exciting player, but we always call him Eric makes you want to holla. He's, um, yeah, he's just, he's just in, I mean, there's something about him that hasn't worked in a lot of places, you know? Um, I think Vegas probably Minnesota. He had his moments. I think in Vegas he's had probably his best point of his career. Obviously, at this point. yeah, yeah. I mean, Carolina uh, because again they've got this pretty decent sized contingent of Finnish players now that they've added. Right. Um, I remember Peter and I were just again joking about this, and this was mentioned quite a few times. They call uh, it was what Finnipeg. Winnipeg. Border. Now it's it's like uh, Spinalina. <laughs> yeah, Spinalina. It's unreal. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, really. It, that's uh, it's true. I mean, they and you know, does this is does he think that this is a is this one of Sebastian Ajo's friends? Perhaps maybe this is somebody that. Uh, yeah, that's, I was wondering about that myself in terms yeah. of the, the connection between Ajo and, and Hala. I'm not aware of any just yet, but but uh, maybe Ajo's maybe they maybe they're just trying to do everything they can to get to make things nicer for Ajo, so he takes less money so he stays or whatever i don't know but yeah this is it, it seems like you know put if well, I, I mean you can't go wrong with finnish players and the Finns have been have been rocking it lately i mean, I mean from, from, the, from the vegas perspective here and i i we've heard the the whole thing of them trading clarkson and probably having to trade something for somebody to take on clarkson's contract and yeah. You know, they in this deal they they shave a couple million dollars off their salary cap. I know that Clarkson's deal has a heavy signing bonus on July first, so they may not have been able to move that deal until after they pay the bonus. And maybe they needed the cap relief in case somebody signs Aho to an offer sheet on July one. So that might have been part of the motivation here. Okay, yeah, I mean maybe that, that, that there, there's got to be something because. There doesn't seem this seems counterintuitive to everything that we thought the Kings were doing, which we already thought was counterintuitive to what should be done. So <laughs> I'm trying to figure out it, that and yet that doesn't that should be too negative, making it positive, and yet it doesn't in this situation. So I, I'm confused by the, the whole thing of it. Um, let's um, so we talked about Marlowe briefly, Marlowe being bought out um, and is going to. You know, going to get like I said, I'm pissed off. He's going back to San Jose. He's going back to San Jose, whether he plays or not, he's going to San Jose. You know, and no, I think honestly, I think I think he thinks he has a year or two left. I remember at the uh, end of the season press conference in Toronto, he believed that you know that he still had something to give, and he like at that point said he wanted to come back to Toronto. Now, I think being a free agent, I think his family being in Northern California. You know, he might even sign a league minimum deal. He's made his money. He oh, doesn't definitely sign a league. I think he'll sign, he'll sign a league minimum deal. Situation, yeah, they're going to probably have to in the circle. They're going to have to. They're going to ask him to do that, and he will because he wants to play there. He, we, I knew we, we knew he wanted to live there. I should have yeah. known the whole time. Like I said, just I'm but, really angry. But, but, uh, but the thing yeah. I want to say about this, there's one other thing I think people aren't talking about with 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 Marlowe's return to San Jose, and that is, you know, that he is a pretty big character to bring back into a locker room. Um, mm -hmm. that has been that has taken a lot of time to like sort of form into the Pavelski and Logan Couture's room from Joe Thornton and Marlowe's room, right? And well, this is bringing him back in there. I wonder how that affects Pavelski and right and with what's happening now. With I, 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 I think from the reports that have been coming out about Pavelski doing his sort of tour, I think the ship has sailed. I, I think no, you know, he's talking, I think he's, he's talking to Tampa. He's talking to Dallas. Can't sign he's talking him. to Chicago. 
Well, I mean, it depends on what type of – if he's going out there and says, I want to win a Stanley Cup, signing with Tampa for one year, the only thing that that does – I mean, I believe Pavelski's birthday is in mid-July. He's 34 years old right now. He would, If he signs a long-term deal, it's a, not a 35-and-over contract. If he signs a one-year deal, next year will be the 35-and-over contract, and then people might not be willing to give him more than one or two years on a deal. All right. Yeah, that's true. The, the cap recapture back callback. Um, yeah, I agree. That could possibly be the case too. But I think that, I mean, Anthony, don't you think there's something, there could be something with a room like this? I mean, this is, this is definitely, you're not just bringing back a random player. You're bringing back a former captain. Iconic player on the roster. I mean, look at, look at this is at a positive and negative manner in that yeah. they've been close, uh, got close to the summit with him. And this is a final opportunity. Uh, uh, potentially to push things over the top. I mean, San Jose's fair, get fairly close, but they also have that whiff of a team that could be very much on the precipice of being in a little bit of trouble, certainly yeah. uh, in Apple in this case. So, um, and again, losing Pavelski in this case it definitely kind of changes the timbre of the room. Um, right. It's got to be different in terms of this you now from Marlowe coming in uh, in yeah. some way. You know, he does have a voice, but he also has to recognize the fact that certain younger players like Couture, like Meyer, they have yeah. to have those guys. He has to kind of defer a little bit to them, uh, yeah. giving them the bigger bite. The, the leadership group there is changing. I don't think that Marlowe, if he re-signs there, is coming back to replace Pavelski. I think he's coming back to play replace a guy like Don Skoy, who's probably gone and signing someplace else. He's he's coming back as a third liner. He's well, not going to back like a Dave like Dave Andrea Chuck had been with Tampa in some right. way. Yeah, but it's hard to do that when you've been so iconic in a situation like this, um, where a team where he is like. He is like Patrick Marlowe's number is going to be retired type of player, like that kind of a player sure. with that team, right? And that kind of player, you know, not only does he come back and fill a spot for some young player potentially, you know, who could that, – that's something that does happen too. Like there's some young player who won't play because Patrick Marlowe is there. Um, and that, you know, may or may not matter, but it usually does matter to the, to the locker room and to things like that because those players all kind of grew up together. And um, they're going to see Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton Honestly, two players there, and they have two players. You know, two of their twelve forwards are kind of being kept around because everybody like everybody wants to like like likes them and feel like they should be. Yeah, but I mean, do do you really think that Joe Thornton wasn't effective, especially in the? Play? Oh no, and they both were effective last year. But yeah, like, so there's no problem then if they're effective. Yeah. If, they're, if they're if they're they were if, effective last year. I mean, the question is. At, at some point, you know, players go down pretty fast. You sure. know? That, and that's why you don't sign Marlowe to any longer than a one-year deal. I mean, really, the mm -hmm. the the sharks are the sharks are in this in the power position here. They know he wants to play. They know he wants to come back to San Jose. Oh, they sure. don't have to offer him a three-year deal. It's going to be a one-year deal. But their history says that they won't. <laughs> history says that the sharks will off will not offer them a one-year deal or or Thornton a one-year deal. You know, and, and that's the funny thing about that is that's. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sharks are kind of, you know, as you guys know, like where my closeted, like I'm a closeted sharks fan because my wife lived there and I spent so much time out there for a long time. And I, the sharks history is that they, and Doug Wilson has a very big loyalty to these two guys, these two players, particularly, you know, he does give them more than they should make all the time. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's, I mean, I think 
what's going to happen is it's going to follow sort of the Zidane Chara model where, I mean, Thornton didn't make as much as he did two years ago. And when, when Marlowe signed in Toronto, Thornton basically took the money of both of them. Then the next year when they had to, when they had to resign, you know, when they signed Kane and they extended Couture and Vlasic, he didn't get as much. So I think, you know, Thornton's going to be back, but he's not going to be back at 5 million bucks. He's probably going to be back at two. Um. Yeah. If if I mean, but he really should probably be back at like one and a half or one. Well, you know? whatever. I mean, you know, you know they don't have to make their money in terms of he's going to probably again two. Again, it's got to be respectful. It has to be respectful. Right. There's that part of it too, and that does exist. These guys do have egos as much as they want to give, and the you know the team has a respect. There, there is that. You know that does happen, and there has to be money. You're right. It has to be respectful, but it also you know they're not going to come in and both say we'll both play for. $500,000 a piece. It's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, because they are worth something for the Sharks, too. Like, people will buy stuff. Go ahead, Anthony. Sorry. You have the possibility of getting, losing Pavelski's salary. You have the possibility of probably, likely losing Donskoy in this game. Yeah, Donskoy's gone. He's going to be in high demand uh, for a lot of teams, I think, Eunice Donskoy. So, yeah. salary's Say again, my mic. And they traded Braun. Exactly. So that's hey, Brian, but Justin Braun got dealt. So there's, there's, some, there's some wiggle room there. Yeah. I'm again, until, until Pavelski signs elsewhere, I am really not thinking that he's going anywhere else because I think that, I think this is a bit of a game that's going on. I, you know, I, I, it just feels like it, it like, especially like where he's going, like, it, you know, going to Tampa, <laughs> for example, is not, is it shouldn't, shouldn't strike fear into the sharks. The sharks are going to be able to pay Pavelski more than Tampa can pay him. And you know, at the end of the day, this no. is more like an he's more like a UFA looking for an offer sheet in a way. It's kind of weird. That's kind of what he's doing. And as a current was just looking at who's under contract right now, I think they have seven forwards of 25 million. They're 13, 17, and you get some buyout numbers there too. So with current cap, they're about 14.8 million projected cap space as of right now. Right, right. That's the situation right now. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's. It's tight because, you know, and then they obviously made a, you know, the Carlson thing is, was a huge thing for them to do. So I, th I think that as this plays out, I, I just want to see, but Pavelski, I'm not convinced. I'm really not convinced yet that that's good, that we're going to see anything. Now, that. The other one, the other one who's doing his, uh, his tour is Matt Duchesne. Yeah. Um, uh, I know that uh, he was in Montreal and there was a tweet yeah. out about him, you know, his family loving the Canadians. I mean, honestly, I, you know, he, that may be the case. Do I think he's going to the Canadians? No. Uh, I think there's a darn good chance he's going to the Canadians, actually. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I, I can't, I, I'm just getting – I'm talking about, like, my my read and my feel on the situation. Why? Why would he not go to the Canadians? Well, taxes are one thing. Maybe mm -hmm. you can compensate for that. Well, they'd have to overpay him, which I don't think they're going to. That's they might. They have the money to do it. I you know. I, I just – I mean, he didn't want – Desperate need for a, for a legit – pivot you know one one a pivot for a while yeah. right so are the, okay then that, that's the thing and, and peter you let me ask you if you're the montreal canadians and the only way that you can get matt duchene is to overpay him are you going to pay matt duchene nine and a half million dollars uh, he's not a nine and a half million dollar player i don't care what anybody says he's not you know this is a tough one if if I'm the GM, no. But 
my president of hockey may have been talking to my owner and says, you need to do something. And if the market says this, you might be forced to do it and you might be talked into it. I would hold my ground and say, it's better to wait. What I don't understand if you're Montreal is you've sort of had this weird kind of season, this weird kind of period where you've had to redefine what you are, get pieces. Why take up cap space with Matt Duchesne without being a little savvier on some other fronts, right? Like that's sort of yeah. what I, I don't understand. And, and frankly, I think, and if Nashville goes down the road of getting Matt Duchesne and they spend, basically spend what that spend, maybe you can get them for the same money as Ryan Johansson. Let's just say, how does that help you re-sign Yossi? Like there's all these things at a certain point in time, the Matt Duchesne's in the world, someone's got to get smart and say, you, you, the market may dictate this because other players have earned this much, but it doesn't mean I have to spend it on you. And perhaps RGM's thinking that way, but there's always one who doesn't. It would probably, it would probably require Poyle to find a landing spot for Kyle Turris because then they would get to clear that money to be able to necessarily needs you to ask. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. Um, Taurus has not been has not been very very good. Um, and people people give Taurus all kinds of credit for this with the World Championship stuff. Like it's just really funny to me. Like how well he did in the Worlds this this summer. Taurus did okay. He was made the captain of that team, but I think part of that was nobody else went. Yeah, and a little bit of like you know, Poyle saying, "Would you make this guy captain of the team because we need to give him some confidence?" Type thing. You know that I kind of sensed that was going on. And I I I don't know. I just to me. I think that this is going to. I think Nashville, like I said, is not is not really a strong option for Duchesne, in my opinion, based on what I've been told. So yeah. Montreal no. is a great Montreal. Mon Montreal, this is well, the perfect Montreal, player for that. Start, but Montreal again, they're currently hovering right now at eight point. According to Cap Friendly, they're at eight point seven one mil cap space right now, as of right now. Now, what I find, right. what I, what I, moves. they got, they're going to have to make moves. Now, yeah, what I. Moves, what yeah. I what I find fascinating now is sort of the domino effect of the, you know, right now it's Gardner and Myers, the two top free agents. We talked about them, but the sort of secondary market here where um, I know in Buffalo, there was a lot of disappointment and a lot that there was not a lot of talk about Ristolainen and being moved. Um, and it's yeah. because that it, because that, the perception is that they're not really getting the offers that they believe Ristolainen is worth. And if they don't, then they'll keep them because then, you know, Ralph Kruger comes in and maybe he can find something with Ristolainen that other coaches haven't. And then they get back the defenseman who a few years ago, a lot of people liked, yeah. um, but they didn't get the offers. Now the thing is if once teams strike out on Gardner and Myers, Yep. Where do you have to go here in terms of unrestricted free agents? There's not much out there. There's that, and then you go. You may turn to Ristolainen. You may turn to Nikita Zaitsev and a couple other uh, guys who are on the block. I, this market defensively is not that deep and not that good. So I, I have a feeling that if 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 the Sabers still put Ristolainen out there, they might get an offer that would they would find interesting. And I think that still that the Leafs are going to find some home for Zaitsev. The Leafs are definitely going to find a home for Zaitsev, and and there's no question that that Rutsalainen has a, has a market out there for him. There's, I mean, he's 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 a top, he's a good prospect, a really good prospect. You know, who some people feel maybe was rushed a little bit by you know by the Sabers, but can still 
It's, you know, he could do he could do a lot of damage. There, there's you know, as bad as this free agent market is, and you know, people have come on and said this free agent. I, you know, you guys don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think this is actually a pretty heavy UFA market. Yeah, especially, especially with and but maybe not with the quote unquote star power up top, but some really good second, third, and fourth liners on this in, that are UFAs that are going to have a tough time getting paid. Right, but that's not sexy. I mean, once yeah, at twelve, matter. I mean, it's still a team. I mean, we when, put a team together here. Yeah, but at twelve oh one, when Bobrovsky and Panarin sign, you know, if that happens, yeah, you got Duchesne, you've got the two defensemen. Call it a day. It's uh, you know, Bob McKenzie's heading to his to his uh, his uh, lake house. Uh, good, good. Let Bob go to his lake house. We can keep breaking the stuff here. Let's do that. <laughs> Bob needs to give us some space. Something, for something humorous here from from uh, related to free uh, one of our most major free agents, Artemi Panarin. So somebody, Chris Johnson, RT, someone from MSG. There's a picture on the scoreboard of Artemi Panarin in a Rangers uniform. However, there's one little problem. Panarin, Panarin, the edit shows him as being left-handed, and we all, everybody's ever watched Panarin knows, <laughs> right-handed. That's great. So they superimposed it. That's all. I'll <laughs> see it now. Chris, so Chris Johnson just did it. Just said That's it. excellent. Beautiful. What, did they flip the picture? I mean, is it him or not? Is it, is it, I'm out of here. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty funny. I love it. Oh, from our buddy Frank, he said, "Thanks for the balmy report." Yes, Frank, we appreciate, yeah, we appreciate, Frank, we appreciate all of our regulars on here. Um, you know, I really, I think that you know, we appreciate all the regulars. We appreciate all the folks in the chat room. We appreciate all of you. Go to hockey to uh, patreoncom slash hockey and support the show. Um, not enough of you do that though, so help, help us. We need, we need help. Um, please, yeah, please. We're <laughs> if you like, if you like this every day, like we do, we want to, we want to keep doing this. And the problem is, we're going to keep doing this. We can't sit there and tell you we're not because we just like it too much. But please help us. Just that's a, that's a friendly, nice thing on our side of things. Okay, get any value at all? Just give a buck a month. That would be wonderful. If all of you gave a buck a month, we would be fine. Um, so thanks so much, guys. Remember, without the buzz, it is uh, just hockey. We are going to be back tomorrow with one more show before the week. And then Monday, we'll have the big UFA day show. Um, we're not sure what time to start that yet. Probably, I'm guessing, somewhere around like 11-ish or something like that, 10 or 11. Because I think the whole thing launches at noon, right? I believe so. And I don't think, I don't know, it'll be interesting if this year is one of those years where everything seems to be done ahead of time, which is like a couple years ago we had, where everything happens like within the first half hour. I don't get that sense this year. I don't get that. I think a couple players, yes, but not not many. I think it'll linger on. I think we'll hear some things, and you know, so a couple ones will break. But at the end of the day, I think the more the intrigue won't be the bigger names. Like yes, always you know Panarin and Bobrovsky will garner some attention, but I think at some of these other names, these tier two guys, they're going to be really be fascinating to see where they come in on deals because that's where it seems the market pressure is going to be. And if teams find ways to get them at affordable deals, it's going to be really interesting to sort of see who stocks up, who uses their yeah. limited account space wisely rather than going big game hunting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love I love that every year the every year the free agents that are that are you know that turn out making a difference are not like the big game hunter free agents. And that's and last year the biggest thing that happened on July first was Ryan O'Reilly getting traded getting traded you know to the Blues. And think, pretty, like, pretty, pretty, pretty darn important deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean that when everything was said and done, what are we doing this for? We're doing this to win, we're doing this to win a Stanley yeah. Cup, and that that won a Stanley Cup. So, you know, so it's not just UFAs. July first is a big, big trade day too, as we'll see again. You know, we'll see that you'll see that again this year. So, uh, all right, that's it, guys. Anthony, thanks as always. 
Really appreciate you jumping on. Um, remember, folks, without the buzz, it is just hockey. I don't mean to not thank Peter and Mike as well. Thank you, no, Peter and Mike. Of course. Goes without saying. Yeah, no. I'm always overlooked. Anthony's still done it. Like, once you get to, like, 20 shows, you don't get thanked anymore. But Anthony's, like, still, like, you know. I'm, like, around 18. So you're maybe. right about on the edge of that one. Two more, and it's like, yeah, uh, okay, you're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I did promise somebody I would throw a trade room out, uh, a trade proposal out. And I'm oh. before we do that, let me do this real fast. So uh, Jason in our chat room had this. Um Okay, I just want to get back. This is kind of interesting. Okay, um, would this make se sense, Ek or Ant? He says, um, Provorov, um, you know the estranged Provorov right now, to Edmonton for Bouchard, a twenty twenty first, and Puyarvi. Too much? Not enough? What do you think? Not enough. Not enough. Uh, no. Not enough, right? I, I think Bouchard. Edmonton has nothing. They like how do you? I, I like Bouchard. You're talking about two drafts from now. And Pugliarvi, I, I just don't know. No, I, I, I hang on the pro. Pugliarvi is a big, big finish question mark. He's had double yeah. hip surgery. There's yeah. no value there. The Philadelphia-based person, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to fill two spots here. They're trying to they, – they're thinking Pugliarvi, you plug him in on third line with um, with Patrick and, and, Lin, and, and Lindblom. And defensively, you're getting a higher level pro. You know, you're getting a pretty good level prospect. And the most attractive part of that deal is going to be Bouchard in this circumstance. But there has to be more coming the other way. A 2021 isn't going to. No, 2020 you know, first. 2020. So 2020 first. Honestly, oh, give up next draft pick. Give give I. You know what I do? If I were if I were Fletcher, I'd counter with Provorov and Patrick for Drysital. Like that's what I would do. But you already signed Hayes. Yeah, and if and if and if and if now they could have both. So there. <laughs> yeah. If a forward, if a forward is being thrown into this deal, it's not a question mark like Pugliarvi. It might be a Yamamoto. It might be somebody who has has less question marks because I think you need at least two two assets. And and the thing is, you know, Provorov is is good in the NHL. As as much as everybody thinks Bouchard is a, is going to be a great defenseman, he hasn't proven it yet, so it's an unknown commodity. Exactly. There's yeah, no, much, I agree with that. There's too much var there's too much variance there. Um, and again, next year's draft is reported to be a pretty good one. Obviously, in the first round, probably Edmonton be could be first. terrible. It's always possible that that could be a really good first round draft pick. <laughs> that's that's likely. What <laughs> could be? I don't <laughs> could will. I mean, you never know. I mean, it could. Would it be lottery protected? You know, and all that stuff. I think would play into it. But if it's not lottery how, protected, how you many could, you times could... have we seen Edmonton bring in a new coach and a new GM to be the exact same thing? It's 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 like the sun rising in the morning and setting in the evening. It's a guaranteed and humid summers in Winnipeg and here yeah, and balmy in Winnipeg. Maybe, exactly. Maybe the answer is not the GM. Maybe that the problem is not the GM. Maybe the problem is something above that. You know, that's all I can say. All right, folks, we will be back tomorrow and Monday and throughout the weekend. Remember, without the buzz, folks, it's just hockey. We will talk to you then.